This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to Aviation Careers Podcast. I am Carl Valeri, your host today, and I'm joined by two very special guests. I'm here with Tom Wachowski and Paul Greco, and we are going to talk aviation careers. Before we get started, though, just a quick reminder, today is a question and answer session. That's when we answer the questions that you write into us or use our phone number and call in. Well, if you could, please go to aviationcareerspodcast.com and go in there and hit the contact page and send us your questions. We will answer them on the air. Of course, we're going to pull all your personal information out. We have a lot of really cool questions this evening uh, and some very inspirational stories because not only do we try to help you and give you an inside look into aviation careers, we also want to try to inspire you to move forward in your career, in your life. And that's really important to us. And uh, the two people that have really made this podcast possible, two people that have, have really pushed it forward and are great testaments to people that have integrity in their careers and in their lives are Paul Greco and Tom Wachowski. Welcome to the podcast, guys. Hey, Carl. Hey, hey Carl. Hey, you know what? I, what's interesting is that we, we've all been had, had really, really tight flying schedules and uh, schedules in our lives. And that has come through. I know a lot of folks have written in and said, hey, you know, the only problem with your podcast is it doesn't come out enough. Uh, we've had some challenges personally uh, as far as scheduling is concerned. I've uh, made some changes in uh, in my location as far as uh, my job is concerned. I'm now based in a different base and uh, just trying to put everything together. I will say this, though, just to, uh, right off the bat, I'm making a lot of changes, and I'm, I'm deciding to pair off so many different things that I'm doing. Uh, and I'm not, you know, lecturing as much. I'm not uh, getting involved in many things outside of this podcast so that we can bring this to you because this is really important. And as you'll see in some of these questions, uh, it really has been effective for, for many, many folks. Well, guys, you know, it, it's, it's been great to, to work with you folks, and it's been great to, to have these questions come in. But what's really cool is listening to stories of people when they, when they actually go out there and change their careers and, and move forward. And that's something that's, that's really been awesome. Uh, another thing, too, is that it's been awesome to have people write in and tell us about the scholarships and the monies they've received through grants, etc., Remember, we have that scholarships guide. It's only ten dollars, uh, and it's on Amazon. It's also on on our website. And so many of you have said this has been a real great resource for you. So uh, check that out, aviationcareerspodcast.com, that's scholarships. Uh, the other thing we've been doing a lot of lately, and I just want to mention off the bat, is uh, as far as the coaching is concerned, a lot of you have written in and asked me to review your resume, et cetera. We still we do that. I pair you up with one of our coaches. Uh, two of them are here today. And what we will do is we will get together with you for a coaching session. To find out more about coaching, you just go click on the coaching tab at aviationcareerspodcast.com. Of course, we do interview prep for certain airlines. We only do the airlines that we uh, actually know about their interview process. If we don't know that airline, what we do is we hook you up with somebody else. Uh, we have many other companies out there. We really want to help you move forward is, is what we're trying to do, and it's it's been a real joy working with everybody. So, again, check out the coaching page, page there. And, and, you know, another thing, just to let you know, is that we don't just – 
coach for aviation careers. We coach towards any career as far as if you're thinking about getting into aviation, et cetera. We, we try to focus primarily on aviation careers, but some people have called us and said, will you help me make a decision? That is one of the things that we do is we really help people make decisions to move forward in whatever career path they have. So, guys, you ready for some questions? Uh, let's do it. All right. Let's go let's for it. On. All right. Our first question comes in. It says, uh, it starts with, I've been enjoying the Aviation Careers podcast very much. In particular, I appreciate all the encouragement from pilots and aspiring pilots who have found aviation later in life. I'm in my 30s, married with two children. Flying has always been a dream of mine that somehow I forgot to pursue when younger. But I didn't wait forever, and last month achieved my private pilot license. Congratulations. That is awesome. Terrific. So here's a fix I'm in. I'm hooked (laughs) and can't seem to shake the idea that flying professionally might be just the thing. At the same time, I only have about 55 hours total time, and while I was able to save money to get through my private pilot training, I don't have the financial resources to fly regularly. I'm self-employed, and work has been extremely slow this year. I've considered going to one of the flight academies to efficiently earn my instrument, commercial, and CFI. But even assuming some scholarships and loans for training itself, I'm having a hard time seeing how I could support the family on a full-time training program. Plus, it seems like I need to earn at least another 25-plus hours in order to even start any of these programs that cr- with credit for the private pilot license. And that happens at a lot of these uh, larger 141 schools. He continues, Maybe there are some applicable scholarships in the guide. I'll have a look. But I'm looking for any additional advice on how to face the challenge of funding early time building while supporting a household. Separately but related, I'm in Midcoast, Maine. Can you recommend anyone else you might know in this frozen land that I might speak with regarding aviation careers? Keep up the wonderful podcast. Thanks in advance for any words of wisdom. Well, interestingly, uh, thanks for the, the email, first of all. Interestingly, we uh, we have one definite example of somebody who's who uh, supported a family by going through this process of having another job, and, and myself included, uh, and that's Paul Greco. I mean, Paul, actually, you had a whole family, uh, two kids and a wife uh, when you got started in this. I sure did. Uh, two kids, a wife, a house, and uh yeah, and I and I made the I made the commitment to change, and it was it was hard. Um, I think that um, this this fellow's I think his biggest issue is going to be, um, and something that I didn't have to uh, necessarily overcome. Uh, he's only got fifty five hours total time. He needs two fifty to get his commercial rating. Um, <clears throat> if if uh, the finances are going to going to be difficult for him. Um, He's, he needs to build about – by the time he's done with his instrument reading, it looks like he's going to need to build about 150 or so hours. And I see that as being the challenge because once you have the 250 hours total time and, you're, and you uh, qualify for the commercial rating, there, there are various options available to you um, to be able to uh, get your rating very, very efficiently, very quickly. Um, and you can do that while working – a full-time job. I was working two jobs and then eventually three jobs um, to support the family because of the the reduction in pay. So working while you're training is absolutely um, possible, but I I think that uh, the challenge here is getting him financing or getting him to be able to pay for those um, 
those 150 hours after he gets the instrument rating. And, you know, if you, there are options out there like uh, joining a flying club or sharing flying with other people. And that's how I built my time. I used to share flying um, with, with various friends and we would, we'd fill the airplane up and, and we'd go fly and we'd do that every week, a couple times a week actually. And that's how I got uh, my 250 hours. So you don't have to bear the burden of that expense all on your on your own um and if, you could also go out and look for other people who were time building that was something else that that was uh pretty popular that we did but uh you've got to get those 250 hours and then from there uh there's there's various accelerated flight training um opportunities available where you can get your instrument rating in two weeks or your commercial rating in less than a week, your multi-engine in a weekend. So fr- from a time standpoint, it certainly doesn't take that much time. Um, it does take a bit of money, though. And uh, so I guess that's the challenge here. It's interesting you said that because about the time building. Now, when you were doing this, Paul, I know I've done this, is uh, did you get with somebody who, say, had their instrument rating and, and be a sa- become a safety pilot for them? Yeah, I, actually, I did. I, I was a safety fi- pilot for people. Um, I was flying fairly often as a as a private pilot so i was i was fairly um current so i was constantly being used um by other i guess folks who were a little bit less current and didn't have the um uh the i guess confidence to go up by themselves at that point granted i was not an instructor but um just i guess having time in the airplane made them more comfortable um in being able to fly and i had I had instructors that knew that I was in the process of building time and was put, and that I was potentially thinking about going into this as a career and so they would look out for me they knew they you know they the, all these instructors knew how how difficult it was and how long a road it was so they were um I had very good mentors and instructors who um were, would look out for me would if they heard somebody was looking for somebody to fly with, they'd give them my phone number and then they'd call me and make me call them. So there was, there was a lot of networking that was happening. And, um, and that was also very helpful. And then you, and I also became kind of an airport bum and I, I would go to the different (laughs) airports, you know, and, um, you know, your face just gets to be familiar. And then they say, Oh, Hey, are you, are you available? I need, you know, I wouldn't mind having somebody you know, take a ride to wherever with me. And then, so you do that. And, and, you know, before you know it, I mean, 150 hours really isn't that much time when you, you know, when you really think about it. So it, it looks daunting though, in the beginning, that's for sure. And, and, and sure I know what you're looking at when you have 55 hours, 155, 50 yeah. is like triple there. So right. it, it does look daunting, but like those suggestions you made and uh, some other ideas too, are actually, like you said, hanging around the airport. I've always told people that's where the airplanes are, so hang out at the airport. The uh, I had a, a gentleman that built tons of time because there was a flight school who had a, a maintenance shop that was at another airport. Mm-hmm. And uh, they would ask him, hey, did you want to, if you want, we'll uh, let you fly the airplane for free. It's going to be a short flight. But uh, if you want to, you know, bring planes back and forth, you can do that for us. And uh, so obviously he couldn't get paid because he wasn't, you know, a commercial pilot. But if he wanted to fly the plane instead of renting it, they said, "Hey, move the plane and and we'll and do it, you know, back and forth to these airports. You'll build time maybe fifteen, twenty, thirty minutes at a time, but it adds up over a short period of time." Uh, the other thing, by the way, is 
you uh, we talked about safety pilot. I think we have to explain right. explain what a safety pilot. Paul, did you want to explain what a safety pilot is? Yeah, sure. So as as a you know regular private pilot, um, you can you can sit in the right seat of an airplane with a, a certificated pilot who has an instrument rating, a private pilot or a commercial pilot with an instrument rating. And if that particular person wants to practice simulated instrument time, in other words, they put on the hood um, and they go and they, and they, they shoot a couple approaches or they track some radials into a VOR practice holding. Um, they need somebody, you need to do this in, under visual flight rules and you need to have somebody who is actually heads up looking out the window making sure that you're not going to hit anybody or hit anything and so that's the job of the safety pilot and the safety pilot simply just needs to be a certificated private pilot um, that in in the same category and class of airplane and so um, that's pretty much a safety pilot in a nutshell and you can log uh, legally all of the flight time that you are acting as a safety pilot with the exception of the takeoffs and the landings. So if you were up for two hours while this person was um, maneuvering and and doing their their instrument approaches, you maybe would log, I don't know, an hour and a half of it or something like that, or or even more. You could probably log 1.8. I mean, a a takeoff and a landing is very short period of time. So you're, you're logging all of the time that you are acting as a safety pilot. And so that's that's a great way to build time and and uh, and it's actually a great way if you don't have your instrument rating yet to get to get involved in the uh, in the instrument world. Right, right, and it's, and it's a great way to actually you know look outside and and see what's happening while you're looking at the instruments. You know, sometimes we just look at right. the instruments, don't realize what the airplane's doing. But it is a great way to to build time. But also, if you need to build those landings, uh, one of the things you should do is ask the person you're flying with, hey, do you mind if I do a landing or a takeoff? Sure. Uh, sometimes it doesn't happen. By the way, uh, there's a courtesy here, and and you have to make sure that you ask the person, especially if it's their airplane, and they need to build the time. He's doing or she's doing you a favor, having you work as a safety pilot there. So so just you know coordinate that beforehand and make sure that you can take off and land in that airplane. And, uh, you know, if you make sure if it's a high performance aircraft, you can, you know, like take off and land, et cetera. But the, uh, or if you're on the, not on the insurance, they may not let you, you know, do right. the takeoffs and landing. So the, those are things you just have to look into before the flight. And it's real simple questions and, and you just move forward. Uh, I know, you know, Tom, do you remember back when you were trying to build those hours uh, moving forward, uh, towards your <laughs> commercial time? Yes, uh, we all do, don't we? <laughs> um, you know, I was listening to that question and what I heard there, you know, I can, I, I think, um, it can relate a little bit, you know, late thirties, kids, career, and you're trying to make this jump and where do you start? What's the plan? And, and what I heard and what I think that gentleman needs to, to sit down with maybe is a piece of paper and draw out a roadmap, you know, draw out a roadmap attach it to a calendar. And, uh, so at least there's a plan, you know, there's a way to get from A to B because what I heard was just this kind of overwhelm, like, you know, I really want to do this. I have no idea where to even start. Uh, I know I need hours, but, but then what, but then I got this job, but I got to map it out. And I think that would provide some of the clarity to get from where he is now to where he wants to be. And that's important in everything, you know, mapping out any portion of your career. You're going to do that, too, later, you know, when you go maybe fly for a regional and then you decide, okay, now I'm at a regional, now what do I do next? Yeah, yeah, but, you know, if he maps it out, now you get small wins. 
You know, okay, right. you know, may, maybe the first thing is, you know, get to, to uh, 100 hours. How am I going to do that? A, B, C. And, and you get those small wins and you get the momentum wheel going. And, you know, we all know kind of on the backside of this, once that wheel gets going, it's, you know, you're good. You're cruising. You know, you're sort of, quote, air quote, on autopilot in terms of accomplishing this goal. Right, right. You know, another thing he asked about is uh, talking to other people about aviation careers. Uh, you know, it, it's really it, it's important to talk to people at the airports and talk to those people involved in careers. Uh, you know, it, a lot of people ask me if there's anybody that they can, I can recommend them speaking to. I usually tell people go out to the airport and ask people. You know, what they've done in their career, et cetera. Uh, another, uh, what's interesting though. A lot of times when you speak to people about their careers in aviation, you have to also find out their background because sometimes hanging at the airport, you'll find somebody who is like, say, a fighter pilot, and they had a much different experience in moving through uh, towards their career goal, and they obviously were paid, et cetera, so they didn't have this this problem that you have right now but you'll also find other people who work their way up working at the airport doing things like we were talking about building time etc you know i luckily i i was working at a full-time job so i was able to rent an airplane but i also rented with another individual to build time so it's it's really really important uh, but yeah the, the the biggest thing and i know we talked about this planning and i know tom and, and paul want to talk a little bit about the the when you Put this plan in place. Uh, make sure you, you have some goals and some dates in mind. I think that is also very important. But to get those dates, you know, say you want to have a certain number of hours uh, at a certain time, then you also can put numbers to that. So, for instance, say you want to build 150 hours. Then you put down how much that's going to cost you to rent an airplane. Now you start thinking, how am I going to save money? Oh, I can do all these hours as a safety pilot. I can actually, when I'm, I might even look at a different rating if I can, that type of thing. But you're, you know, you're in a, a unique situation, but it's, uh, you know, that you have to help support a family. But there's other people that have done that. You know, there's, uh, there's many other folks out there that have, have supported a family while they were going through this career change. It's not easy, that's for sure. You know, I was, I was lucky I didn't uh, quite have a family to support, but, uh, you know, I had, uh, had all these other things going on, a business I was running, et cetera. But, uh, and I understand the, the business part of it where things slow down and they pick up and, uh, you know, you, you got know, to make hay when the sun shines, that type of thing. But, uh, Tom, you know, that one of the things that we, we talked, you talked about in the plan is, is having this on paper. But would you also suggest maybe putting down on that paper a date that you want as a goal? You know, I think that that would be smart, but I don't think that's step one. You know, right. I think step one is, is really plotting the course mm-hmm. and maybe the dates are your, a form of your waypoints. You know, if, if you go, oh, I'd like to have 100 hours within 12 months, and then you plot this thing out and you realize there's just simply because of the situation, not enough hours in the day, in the week, in the month, well, now you got to adjust the date. So figure out what you need first and then figure out where it plugs into the calendar. Right. Yeah, I like that. That's a great idea. Great advice, Tom. And, you know, I, I think that what you need, and, and this is a great topic that we can talk on for hours as far as building time. If you, by the way, are listening and you have an idea, please write in and uh, let us know uh, ideas that you have of, of, of building time, et cetera. I know lots of folks have talked about flying clubs and those type of things. I'll, I'll tell you one thing. I've built so much time joining a flying club. I, I've actually, this is, this is going to sound nuts, but every flying club I've joined, I've made more money by joining the flying club. Now, remember, I was a CFI already, 
But my my monthly fee for the flying club was offset by the amount of instructing I was doing, and I wasn't trying to instruct. I just made myself available. And once they find out you're available, kind of like what Paul said, they realize, hey, you're the person I want to grab, and maybe, hey, can you do a flight review? Can you do this? And they really they they start, they start grabbing it, and it got to the point I couldn't couldn't handle it anymore. I was doing so much flying, so that may happen to you. And you were talking about mid coast Maine. Uh, in general, as far as careers, like I said, you know, just go to the airport, hang out. We know lots of people in mid coast Maine, uh, but you know, I, I wouldn't call out those individuals here uh, on the show. But uh, there's some wonderful folks there, some really cool flying that's done up in, in Maine in the frozen tundra, as I think he quoted up there. <laughs> but uh, anyway, great question. Thanks for that question. Let's move on to the next one here. Uh, it uh, comes in from – it's a, a, little bit, uh, a little bit long, but we'll, we'll read it out loud because it's, it's very inspirational. It says, uh, says, I have a couple questions for you, but first, you have a great show. Between Aviation Careers and the Stuck Mike, I don't hear music on the radio anymore over my two-and-a-half-hour daily commute needless to say i've caught up since i discovered your show last month sorry for the long email let's dive in uh my grandpa uncle and father are all vfr general aviation pilots naturally i wanted in i've never much uh been a reader or a studier through books i began reading jefferson's private pilot book and could have put it down for the first time in my life i found something that i truly desire to learn about i started my part 61 private pilot training in july and obtained my private pilot certificate in January of 2015 uh, at 41 hours total time, which is pretty darn good. Uh, just turned over 100 hours in my logbook this month, and I'm starting my in-flight instrument training. That's very cool. My backstory before I get in-depth of my question. I'm a 26-year-old and currently a police officer and have been for the last five years with a two-year uh, law enforcement degree. I teach emergency vehicle operations to police and I'm working towards becoming a training officer. Married to my wonderful wife, middle school sweethearts, with no children at this time. My wife is completing her last year of medical school this spring and will graduate with her MD in a ton of debt in May. Her profession is much like one in aviation where she will start out right at the same salary with 60 to 80 hour weeks, but over the next 10 years, salaries will continue to increase. I've been the breadwinner and supported her for the last four years and plan to do that for the next couple of years until she gets a livable income, as we simply cannot afford to lose my income with our cost of living and now school loan payments, and we would both like to have a child in the next two years. Until this last year, our plan was exactly that. I progress as a police officer, and she get her first job, and we settle and begin our life happily ever after. Now that I feel I have found my true passion in life is flying, that has changed. Over the last two years, I've been losing interest in my current job. And last year, I was involved in a critical incident at work. The outcome was all good, but it got me asking myself, is this job right for me? Do I want this level of risk with my family? You throw in my recent discovered desire to learn aviation and fly airplanes, and you can see where I'm going with this. So, my question. Ultimately, I would like to become an airline pilot or corporate pilot. I might know the answer after I get through the private <laughs> private jet podcast series of course by tom wachowski uh what do you think is the best uh, way to go about this with my financial obligations loan family etc i'd love to quit my job today and enroll in a two-year aviation college but my family and school loans are dependent on my salary my plan is to work on my instrument and commercial ratings in my spare time with a goal of becoming a CFI before 2018. That's a great see as a date. That's cool. Uh, I've heard listener mail on your podcast where similar situations have been asked, but I haven't heard or found on the Internet how to become a pilot when you have a family dependent on you. Basically, how do I become an airline pilot while working 
a career? Is it possible? All I want to do is learn to fly, fly, and teach people to fly. Thanks for reading this extensive email. Your enthusiasm for this career has been very inspirational. Well, thanks so much for that email. There's a lot in there. This is really cool. And uh, what's interesting is as I read this email, I was thinking about about Paul and and his situation. And he has a very similar type of lifestyle. Uh, some of our, the folks out there, especially our first responders, get involved in, in situations that are high risk. And especially those that go jumping into burning buildings and those people that go out and fly in helicopters and pick people up in the middle of the road and, and all those folks that are out there uh, on the front lines. And, and I understand that it, it is it is a bit of a risk. And uh, but but I think, Paul, you can kind of talk towards it. I think that that feeling of can you do that? Can you move forward in that type of a career and his feelings that are going on? Yeah, I mean, I sort of had I was pretty much thinking the exact same thing that that he was thinking, you know, and, and frankly, I was working a a very similar job. I mean, he's a, he's a police officer. I, I'm a medevac nurse. Uh, I also work, uh, I volunteered as a fireman for like seven or eight years. So I've been involved in, in the high risk, uh, situations I've worked in, um, some pretty impoverished areas. So I've had, I've been in really, uh, you know, hairy situations where, you know, we've had knives pulled on us and, and things like that. So I, I get where he's coming from. And, um, you know, and all I could say is, you know, here I'm in the, you know, I'm moving over to the left seat of a, of a regional airliner. And, and I, and I, so I felt that it was the right decision for me. I, I felt the, that the risks were, uh, high. I mean, and keep in mind, I mean, you know, you're, you're, uh, you want to be a pilot, there's risks, involved in, in flying as well. Um, but, uh, nonetheless, the risks are, you can mitigate a lot of the risks and what you have to do is you have to, you have to work in a job where, where you're passionate. And, and I believe he mentioned somewhere in the email that he felt he was sort of losing his passion for, uh, the police work. And he, he found this new passion for flying. So I think that, you know, following your passion is always is always a good way to go. I love how he's got a plan, he's got a timeline, um, and the uh, and I, you know, the the reality is you but you you have a family. You want to you want to grow your family. Your wife has loans, and so you have to work. And ultimately, you can you can work. You know the 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 way that we work in in the emergency services. Uh, we work long days, but it gives us long days off or, or more frequent days off than most people. So you have to uh, utilize that time off to um, get the rest of your flight training and build your hours. And you can do that. That's exactly how I did it. Um, it was it, it, it was very doable. You know, when you have – if you have three or four days off a week – you can you can maybe see if you could talk to your your sergeant, manipulate your schedule, try and get some you know longer stretches off if you want to go for training, or use your vacation time to go away for um, if you're going away for a new rating. If you're just building time, you've got three or four days in a row where you can where you can fly and uh, and you can be very successful in a very short period of time. And uh, 2018 sounds uh, very very doable for you. I bet you you could do it sooner. 
And and I think too where he talks about becoming an airline pilot while working another career, it, it's it's you know first responders. Everybody has that opportunity. I worked in a job where it was like you know six days a week, and I was working eleven hours a day, and I also had a, a you know a family to support at the time. It is important that you set your goal and you keep moving towards that goal. Sometimes there's a lot of challenges and it's very, very difficult. And and the, that's the thing is you have to keep that goal in mind. And I used to show up at lessons, especially in the beginning when I was working many hours. I worked two, three jobs plus I was flight instructing. Excuse me, I was taking lessons. And uh, the instructor would look at me and say, "Man, you're wiped out. You know, let's just talk for five, ten minutes." And and I'll just you know, hang out, relax, and get into the mode of flying. And I know you know it, it, it's somewhat similar. The cool thing about your type of job is that. You you do like Paul was saying have those those different days off and and, be, and you're able to adjust your schedule. Also, another thing that you mentioned, and I think something that that we haven't been doing enough of lately, is stressing the other career path as a corporate pilot. And I think that's really important. Uh, some people they don't look at the corporate pilot world. They look at CFI and then moving on to a regional, then going on and flying from there. But uh, I will say that there, I know a lot of pilots have moved from the corporate world into the airline world, and they have been extremely satisfied. I, I Gosh, I, I know at least a dozen folks, because I love to ask people what they've done in the past, that, that people I fly with, that have gone through becoming a pilot as a corporate pilot and made it to the airlines, because that's what they decided to do later. And they have told me it was satisfying, it was interesting, and the other cool thing is they actually were able to make a living, whereas going through the, the whole regional flight instructor route, uh, the, the pay is extremely low compared to what a corporate pilot makes. As a matter of fact, that was one of the reasons it took so long to get to the airlines is that their corporate jobs were so good. Uh, so I, I think that that is a possibility is going from the corporate to an airline if that's your final goal. And you may not want to go to the airline. You may find it very satisfying. I know that, Tom, you've, you've, uh, you've gone that route. You've gone corporate and I think airline, then corporate again. Is that correct? Well, sort of. Sort of. I, I would probably more consider an airline to corporate. The, the little bit of, quote, corporate flying I did, it was so minimal. And uh, so I mainly went airline to corporate. Uh, but, you know, he asks, is this possible to become a pilot, airline, corporate, whatever, while he's working a career? And, and I think what I'm hearing from everybody here is yes. You know, first of all, absolutely. And, and second, you know, he's asking some really good questions. These are would you guys agree the exact questions he should be asking? You know, is, you know how how is this going to look like, and how am I going to do this? And I've, I, you know, he realizes that he's got this. That's a huge leverage he has with that schedule that you guys were discussing just a minute ago. So, you know, great questions and, and keep asking those. And I think at the end of the day, it's really going to help him figure out the priorities here. You know, family, career, money. Um, like it or not, let's face it, you're going to have to pick which one you want first. And, and there's not maybe necessarily a right answer, but I think not realizing that might frustrate you over time when you're not making any progress on any of them. You know, So uh, there's probably some, some long dinners and long conversations with the wife there and uh, figuring out which ones to go after, which ones to delay, and, and going from there. And uh, I, I would say at the end of the day, go, go corporate. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> That's just my bias uh, talking. About yeah. and, and so Tom and I are going to disagree on that one. But, you know, I, and it's funny, guys. I, I love corporate flying, but I really enjoy and And I never thought I would like what I'm doing in, in the airlines side of things. And I love doing it. So and I did some corporate and I and I think it's cool. I actually wish I could switch off like every six months. Oh, of that the corporate for six and airlines for six because they both have some really cool aspects to them. Yeah. So I love all flying, actually. It's just it's I get really spoiled, you know, flying for the airlines. But uh, the corporate again, I'll never see certain things that the corporate pilots get to do. Another thing, by the way, on the corporate side of things, and Tom can uh, address this, is there's that private jet podcast that uh, he talked about in this email, which you know Tom is the host of. And I've always told people if you want to know something about corporate flying and the intricacies of the corporate operation. This would be a good podcast to listen to, even though it's not specifically geared to just pilots. Uh, I I think it's a great idea to listen for somebody who's interested in a, in a career as a corporate pilot. Uh, would you agree, Tom? Well, you're exactly right, Carl, and I think it would give them a really good idea of the, you know in the corporate flying, you see the airplane, and that's really the tip of the iceberg. You don't see everything that goes into that airplane operating, and that's really what the podcast is about. But having said that. You know, anybody listening to that series, if, if they're trying to figure out the corporate thing, email me. You know, Carl will give you my number. Uh, I'd be happy to help you in this decision path of should I do it, should I not, should I use it as a time builder, stepping stone? How should I leverage it in my career? Yeah, and that's, by the way, if you send us an email and you ask Tom a question, I will forward it to him. So that's, it'll go right to him. We've done that in the past. So don't, don't feel shy about sending stuff in. And we'll talk about it here if you have questions about corporate flying. So that's great. So, Paul, you had something else you wanted to add to this? Yeah, I just wanted to mention one more thing, and I I completely agree with um, uh, everything Tom said. He, this fellow is asking all the right questions, and I, I have no doubt he's going to be very, very successful. But to uh, sort of ease his success in, uh, in this transition, I just want to suggest that uh, – he try and bang out as much of his training as he possibly can before these little ones start coming in. Because he, he did mention he wants to start having kids over the next couple of years. And uh, I think that, you know, looking back on how difficult it was when I had, when I was doing my training, I only had one. Um, I had my oldest when we were, when I was doing my training, but I had, I used to have to go to bed really, really late and get up really, really early uh, to get my, my studying done because, you know, he, the baby needed to get up and eat and he needed, you know, and my wife was working also and she was working extra because I was spending all this money on flight training and I was working extra. And so, um, you know, if you can get as much of that training done before the little ones start coming, I, it, you have no idea how much easier your life will be. Bold underscore italics, bold underscore italics. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks Tom. (laughs) Yeah. I, I can relate to that. I have cats. No, no, right. I'm just kidding, guys. Yeah, I've, I've never been through that, and I, I see my friends that have children, and, and it is a challenge. It's amazing. Uh, uh, having helped people and, and looked after other people's kids, it's, it's just phenomenal what people do that do have children uh, and are able to actually make a career change. What a challenge, but it can be done uh, with a lot. I think, you know, like Tom and, and Paul have done with a lot of coordination. And I think it, it's definitely going to be done. But Paul, uh, Paul brings up a good point, though. It's important, you know. He's on the front end of the kid thing. When, when do we have kids, and how do we do it, and, and how many are we going to have? But you know, this is um, in, in an aviation career. You know, 
even if you don't have kids, you can appreciate that it's a long-term planning thing because whether you go corporate or whether you go airline, you're not going to be home for many things that you're going to wish you were home for. And when you're eating lunch on Thanksgiving in some diner in Buffalo, New York, and you're miserable, you got to think about these things when your family and your kids and opening up Christmas presents, all those things. So really, that's why you know, bold underscore italics on everything that Paul said there. Yeah. The, oh, by the way, the, the other thing I think he talked about is as far as a degree. I think he had the associate's degree. Um, yep. The the one thing that if you're looking at an airline, they do want to see you have a degree or working towards one. If you have an associate's, that's great. Uh, when you move in towards the majors and all the legacy airlines, they do want you to have a four year degree or again working towards one. And it really it's it's changed a lot. Some some say no, there's no degree requirement. Uh, but it is good to finish that off. But if it came to finishing the degree and getting the, that job flying, uh, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd try to stress getting that job flying if you can coordinate with getting a degree eventually. Because sometimes, uh, this doesn't sound like his case, because it sounds like he works real hard. Sometimes people don't go forward with that degree program. Uh, and uh, airlines, a lot of times, will forego the degree, especially if you have a ton of hours. Uh, but you want to be competitive, so it's good to keep moving forward in that in that degree field uh, and get that under your belt. Uh, so having that four year degree in the corporate side of things, I'm not so sure. So, uh, Tom, what do you think on the corporate side? You know, it, more and more, it's becoming required, and, and I can tell you for that for that long term corporate job, uh, if you decide to go that route, you're going to need it. You're really going to have to have it. Um, it is, I would say, within. Five, definitely within 10 years, it'll, it'll just simply be a standard. Mm-hmm. Um, beginning corporate jobs, you know, especially on some of the charter jobs, they recognize that you're in an early part of your career and you won't see it as much there, but you're also just simply not going to see the pay and the quality of life either. So if those things are important, it's got to be on the calendar. It's got to be on the to-do list. Right. A lot of great questions, by the way, in that, in that email. And thanks for sending us that. Uh, and I, hopefully uh, we've been able to help you. If you have any other follow-on questions, definitely send that to us. So really appreciate that. Uh, let's move on to the next uh, question. Actually, I think it's an email. It's pretty pretty cool email. It says, uh, my love for aviation started in middle school when traveling to my parents' work on a weekend. On the way, we passed under the approach end of runway 33 left at Baltimore, Washington International Airport. Hearing a loud noise and looking upwards, I saw a Southwest 737 flying overhead at what seemed like a distance at which I could extend my arm and touch it. It was not until I started searching for colleges that I decided to become a pilot. My mother helping me in the search for schools told me I could go to a college and study aviation to become a pilot. She did not have to say anything else. That is what I wanted to do. I attended a large Christian-based college in Virginia that had a Part 141 flight school. I had flown in small planes only twice before, and, and motion sickness was a worry of mine, but I have grown out of it. I earned my four-year degree of a BS in aeronautics with a concentration in commercial corporate aviation in three and a half years. Wow, that's good. I also went from zero time to CFII in the same time. During my seventh and final semester, I also worked part-time as a flight instructor for the school, earning 50 hours dual given that semester. This past fall, I applied to a few low-hour pilot jobs just to see what would happen and try to broaden my experience since there's only so much you can do in the training realm. I already had that thought that I would be moving into a full-time position during the current spring semester. A week before the new semester started, I received an email interview from one of the airlines I applied to. A few days later, I received a call from the chief pilot who asked me a few questions 
and then offered me a job. I am currently in flight training phase after having passed ground school. The 135 company's main operation is island hopping in Hawaii, but they also have some essential air service in Pennsylvania and New York area. We fly Cessna 208B caravans. I applied with 306 hours total time and got the job. I also had the help of former classmate who currently works for the airline and was able to walk my resume into the chief pilot. It would be so much fun and a great experience for me as I am to pursue a career with airlines. I write into you with this story not to boast but as inspiration for others. If one puts in hard work, conducts themselves in a professional manner, and networks with everyone in the industry they come across, it will pay off. Thanks, and have a great day. That was an awesome story. That's awesome. Great story. Terrific story. And, you know, you hear Tom talk about, uh, you know, network, 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 and, and he obviously put that into play. And that was, that was I, I love hearing those type of stories where they were able to use that advice and move forward in the career. So thanks thanks for that story. The, the other thing, too, Tom, I, I think is important is that last statement, you know, network with everyone in the industry they come across. And, uh, you know, we've heard you say that always uh, and over and over and again and, and realize that, you know, by conducting themselves professionally, you, you come across in a, in a professional manner to everybody. And you're always on. You're always doing that. And I think that's also important, especially, you know, corporate pilots do that all the time. I know that. Yeah. I mean, you know, just if you're a curious person, the networking's easy because you're trying to, you know, you want to learn, you want to understand, you want to see what it's like for all these other people, all the other positions. And, and so, uh, you know, be curious, ask questions, get out there. It's not simply a, you know, how many people can I talk to today? You know, sort of, kind of, but more so get out there and learn what's going on. And that will help you kind of take care of any of those things that might, you know, make it look like you're, you're trying to use somebody, I guess, for lack, to, just to be straightforward. You know, you just be a curious person, ask the questions, and that's a great way to network. It is. And, uh, and by the way, if you have an inspirational story you want to share with us, please write in. Uh, we'll read it on here. If you think it's going to help somebody else, like this person here who, who went from zero time to flying with an airline in a very short amount of time, I think that's great. I mean, if you look at all he's done, he's worked so hard and concentrated on aviation and was able to build the hours very quickly because of that concentration. So that's that's a terrific terrific story. So please, please send us more uh, emails like that. Well, let's go on to the next uh, email that we received. It says, Hi, Carl. I'm a commercial pilot student in Burlington, Ontario, Canada, with just over 100 hours total time. 17 of those are PIC time. I have a wife, three great boys, age 1, 3, and 7, and also have a full-time job, which is based 100% in commissions, but also allows me freedom of time to fly often. Financially, I have no debts besides my home, which carries a substantial mortgage. Last year, I had enough of bouncing around in life aimlessly. Seven different jobs in 12 years because I was always got bored and decided to refinance my home and get the funds to follow my childhood dream of flying for a living. It's funny how I always knew my passion was flying, but in my head I never considered it to be possible for me until last year when I kind of woke up from the way of thinking and saw the possibility for me. My wife has been phenomenal about this and has backed me up in my decision to pursue it even knowing there's a real possibility of having to move. Right now, she doesn't work because she is home taking care of the kids, so you may understand that money is tight. However, I have never felt so fulfilled as I do right now that I'm pursuing my licenses, so I'm sure 100% that I'm doing the right thing. 
When all said and done, even if we have some years of financial hardship, I want my kids to see me and be proud that I was bold enough to follow what I love. I hope they learn from what from that as well as for their own lives. My question is this. We all know that we need hours, lots of hours, before we can get a shot at flying for the airline. Having said that, I have two options to choose from for my PATH post-commercial pilot license. I can go for the instructor rating to be able to get the hours, but if I do that, I may not have the money to do the multi-engine and IFR ratings for a while, maybe two years or more. On the other hand, if I get a multi-engine and IFR ratings, I will not have money for the instructor rating. Thus, I will be fully licensed and rated, but will not have the hours. I have pretty much made up my mind to go for the instructor rating and work for the hours and somehow come up with the cash to do the multi and IFR later until I read Cathay Pacific's website. They have a program for low-time international pilots, minimum of 250 hours, and they train you for 32 weeks and you start as second officer and pretty decent salary for what I hear. My first love is not really to teach but to fly for an airline, so my emotions tell me to do the multi and IFR and take the risk by applying for the Cathay Pacific and hopefully get hired in the next couple of years. My reasoning tells me to stick to the original plan of teaching, but that would allow me to get hired by an airline in maybe five to six years down the road. What would be your opinion on how I should approach this decision? Being 39, I don't believe I have a lot of time to make mistakes and start over. Thanks for what you guys do, and I look forward to many more years of your podcast. Well, thanks, and we hopefully will bring, bring many, many more years of, of this podcast to you. You know, it's interesting. Uh, he was talking about the 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 years of flight instructing uh, down and getting hired down the road. Um, it The goal is usually, I tell people, about five to ten years to get to your destination. Lately, that's really been been squashed a little bit and, I, and shortened up quite a bit. I know, um, Paul, you actually have have compressed that schedule quite a bit. I, I can't remember how many years it was again that you went from you know the instructor to the airline. If you could just you know give us a little color on that. Um, so in 2012, I started my flight training to. Well, I was already a private pilot, but I completed the rest of my flight training uh, to become a, pref- a professional pilot. Uh, in 2013, end of 12 into 13, I began flight instructing, and I did that until December of 2014, um, which is when I got hired at my regional airline that I work at now. So I got hired December 14. Um, and in that time, I was also working as a charter pilot on a 135 certificate. Um, so I was captain qualified there, and I was building hours, uh, flying charter and instructing. Uh, when I went to the airline in 2014, December 14, so the end of the year, uh, started as a first officer, obviously, and I worked for the year, and I guess uh, what three months or so. And was offered a uh, captain upgrade. So now I'm in captain upgrade training right now. Um, and, uh, you know, and things are looking up. Um, so so it, it was very quick. And that, do the math again one more time. So me. let's see. So uh, 13, 12 was training, 13, 14 were instruction uh, and, the, and charter. And then from 14 through now, uh, regional. 
Okay. So uh, what is that? 12, 13, 14, three years? Yeah. Three, three say four three, total. So say four, actually. Yeah, if, we, yeah. if we go to the high side of that. Now, with with that said, you were able to, to make some money during that period. And yeah. Not well, a lot. I w- no, not a lot. I mean, I was working as a nurse full-time. Uh, the charter paid a little bit of money, and the instruction paid pennies. And then... Um, but again, you know, you're working towards the experience of, you know, you're building hours. But it's, you know, I hate to just say building hours because you're really you're gaining very valuable experience, right. an experience that I'm now finding um, to to be invaluable as I upgrade to the left seat. Um, you know, I'm finding that being an instructor is is that gives you a leg up, I think, on people that haven't instructed for when you're flying with a brand new FO and you're in that, you're back in that instruction, you're back in that coaching role. And if you've never done that before, and then you find yourself in the left seat of a, you know, of an airliner, that, you know, maybe that's not the best time to figure out how to be a teacher. So I don't know. I think there's, I think there's incredible value to being a flight instructor, a flight instructor. Even if you know you want to go to the airline, I think it's an, I think it's a great um, it's a great um, tool to to develop yourself as a pilot. Yeah, I, I think it's a great tool. Even uh, people that say they don't want to instruct uh, sometimes wind up really enjoying the whole sure. flight instructing. But if, if that's you know, I, I'm not taking away from from trying to you know go towards this goal of of trying to get on with Cathay Pacific, etc. The the only thing with that is that um, I know. There's an application process, et cetera, and you know just just looking at that one goal may actually take you a little bit off the path, possibly it might you know accelerate your your path in the in the long run, but uh you you don't want to get too wrapped up in one thing that might wind up not coming through in other words there's there's certain you have to have plan b c and d so yeah if if that's what you want to do and that's you just want to fly and you don't want to instruct then yeah, you might you might want to go for that, but here's the problem with that. <clears throat> and I always tell people this is that it's there are so many opportunities to fly more as a flight instructor. You may not be always uh, at the airport working for a flight school. You may be flying with another individual who say isn't comfortable flying by himself or herself, but they also want to have an instructor on board. Uh, they may want to have another commercial pilot on board, that type of thing. So having those ratings actually helps. A lot of times uh, I've done that in the past as a – I used to call it babysitting, and a, and I, I really don't like – I used to use that term. I don't use it anymore. It's really a, a safety pilot, uh, not the term that we used before. But, you know, there are people concerned with, you know, flying in their aircraft by themselves, especially in a more complex aircraft, and mm-hmm. and they're very smart to bring someone along. Yeah, and to that point, you know, I've I've had a lot of friends who, and myself included, I've had students who were pretty wealthy, went through the the training program with the school that I worked at, and then they went on to buy their own um, private airplane, whether it was a you know a single engine turboprop or, or just a single engine high performance or a multi engine airplane, whatever the airplane was. But they've bought, they bought generally a, a Airplane that was uh, more, ha- had better performance than the, than the plane they trained in, and uh, and they wanted somebody to to fly with them in that. And so I wound up getting a, a ton of flying time with a bunch of different people and some really cool airplanes um, 
because I taught them and they were happy with me as an instructor. So they asked if I would, you know, help them in this other role. And some people have actually had to go to schools. They needed to get type ratings and, you know, some, you know, a friend of mine's flying a jet for a guy right now because he just kept, you know, he, he started teaching in a 172 and then he got, uh, a, a Baron, I'm sorry, a Bonanza, then a Baron, and then a King Air, and then uh, a G2 or something. One of those, you know, private planes that Tom probably flies. Right. And, uh, you know, so he wound up getting him, now he flies a, a, a Gulfstream for this guy. You know, so you don't know where instruction is going to take you, I think, is the point I'm trying to make. And 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 uh, so it's beyond, you know, there, there, there are benefits beyond just, you know, teaching people and, and learning uh, about how to be a better pilot yourself. There's other things that happen as you network. Yeah, and, they, and he talks about uh, having a, they have low-time pilots uh, with hours, et cetera, 250 hours. There's, uh, there, it is pretty nice to have that, quote-unquote, decent salary and get in, involved in this program. Uh, but going, and I'm leaning more towards the CFI, obviously. I'm not, And this is something, yeah. obviously, you're going to have to make uh, that decision yourself on this. But weigh some of the things that we're talking about here. Weigh that into your decision. Uh, the the one thing with having that min- that number of hours and going through that process, uh, it may slow you up, and I'll tell you why, is that you might be concentrating on that while you could be out there doing, like Paul just said, and flying for people, et cetera, and, uh, and instructing and, and building hours. The, the airlines, uh, you know, we talk about a lot of hours. Uh, that are needed. The airlines are hiring people with low hours, even though they can't actually bring them on uh, board. But they have the hours. They have a job waiting for them once they finish up all their hours, which which can be actually a benefit to you. And I, I think the airline you're working for has something like that. Is that correct, Paul? Yeah, they do. Um, you know, they'll hire. Um I think the lowest I've ever heard is like maybe 1200 hours or roughly somewhere thereabouts. Um, you know, and they, they say, what, you know, when do you think, when do you anticipate hitting 1500 hours? And, um, you know, and they'll give them a class date on that, on whatever, whatever that month was. Um, and then they just ask to update it. So if you, if you, if you hit it earlier, you can come to class earlier. If you hit it later, they just push it back. Um, you know, so that's, that's something that, uh, you know, the time is definitely not that uh, they are hiring low time. But something else that I wanted to mention also, and I think you start, you touched on this before, and something that I've certainly learned in this business is do not put all your eggs in one basket. Um, you know, and, because things change very rapidly. Um, you know, things are really, really good at my airline right now, and there's uh, potential for. Uh, advancement to a legacy airline, you know, through programs and things like that. But, um, but I'm not banking on it and I'm certainly not banking on my airline continuing to do well. I'm just trying to, to, um, get as much experience as I can while I can, um, because, you know, the next, God forbid, terrorist attack or the next downturn in the economy could change all of that. And so my, my advice, um, to this listener is, you know, putting all your eggs in one basket with this Cathay Pacific thing, um, even though that it sounds really great and it's, you know, and if you get it, it, it could be awesome. Um, but what if you don't get it? And then, and now you have these ratings, but you don't have time and you're not going to get hired without time. It's really, really difficult. Um, 
unless you really get lucky or you know somebody. So um, I'm uh, in I'm in the same position as Carl. I'm I'm absolutely leaning towards the CFI, and um, for all the other reasons we mentioned. Yeah, and and if and that's because of your situation. I mean, if you were a single person, no kids, it's a different story. Uh, yeah. and that, that's a totally different ball game. Uh, so that, that, and so people might be listening that are in that situation and just make sure I want to make, to make sure people were talking towards his situation, not everybody's in general. Yes. Uh, so, and that's important whenever you're making any of these career decisions is to look at your specific situation and, and find out what you want to do. As a matter of fact, uh, I made a career decision based on an airport where the airline was flying out of. Actually, Paul, you did the same. Uh, so I decided to go back to work for an airline because the airline had a base 90 miles from my house instead of 1,500 miles from my house, which was the airline I was working for at the time. So those are the type of decisions I made. It made my life a lot easier, and uh, my personal life was, was a much better, and it, it enabled me to fly more and to move forward a little bit quicker in my career because I did that. So that's that's something else you really need to look at. Also, uh, another thing to look at as far as you know, age and making money and, and moving forward is, um, again, I mentioned this before, a lot of people, they don't look at the corporate side of things as much as they should because there are some really good corporate jobs out there, Tom. Don't you agree? There are. <laughs> there and, are. And, and we, we a lot of times hear these pe- people talk and just – that's just where they're going. They're going towards uh, the airlines, and that's it. You know, get keep an open mind. Uh, I will say this though: there's um, there's people that have gone both directions. They've gone from the airlines back and and gone to corporate, and uh, there's pluses and minuses. And you have to look at it, your personal situation and why you like to do that. Uh, so you know, it's a sure. lifestyle thing. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you agree? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's there's things about your lifestyle that I wish I had, and. You know, vice versa. You know, yeah, right, if right. we could combine the two, Tom, that's <laughs> what we need to do. <laughs> but it is. I mean, you you're home a lot more than I am, um, and uh, it's it's phenomenal that the the overnights aren't, aren't quite as long. You yeah. know, you don't go away for twelve days at a time, right? Uh, normally, uh, you might once in a blue moon. But you know, I just I did a five day trip and then had one day off and went on a five day trip, so I had enough time to go home and wash my clothes and go back to work. Yeah. Uh, and but with that said, I also have long periods of time off. Uh, so I'll I'll do like ten days off, or I'll do you know work for three days and then have five days off, work for four days and then have five days off, and then work a stretch, you know that type of thing. Um, and then, you know the the other thing is I think you're more on call with a uh, with a, a a corporate job than you are with a with an airline job. And that by the way that depends on the airline you work for. Just don't forget, you know, that that's kind of a point I want to make here, Tom, and you can back me up on this. People, they tell you, well, I don't want to be on call and stuck to a, a cell phone or a pager. I, I have friends that are airline pilots who have been doing that for, you know, over a decade, almost two. They've been on reserve for a long time mm, because, of the, because of the movement they've decided to make. In other words, say they decided to make a captain on, another, on an airplane. They kept moving up, moving up, and they kept – they stayed junior on whatever – uh, position or whatever aircraft they were on, so they stayed on reserve for quite some time. Yeah, uh, I never looked at reserve like that. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, and, and it doesn't happen everywhere, and it's not. It's it's probably not the norm, but there are some airlines. Uh, a good example is um, even the place I work. There was a downturn and hiring freeze, and for three years, people were stuck where they were. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen people get stuck where they are for 10 years. Uh, I know people that uh, – a good example is uh, folks that were working for TWA. Remember mm-hmm. TWA? I mean, the, those guys, what is it now? We're in April and May or whatever. They have to decide whether they're going back to American. That's a long time that they've been out. Yeah. And it's it's interesting because those are there are all these in, interesting uh, things to decide upon. So I had one more thing about this Cathay Pacific thing that mm-hmm. I wrote down, and maybe it would be it might require a little effort, but go find someone who's gone through this program and and, and you know take some advice or some words of wisdom from them. I, I'm sure with a little bit of googling, you could locate a message board and make a contact and say, hey. You know, was it worth it? What should I do? What should I not do? Uh, you know, here's what I'm thinking about. What do you think? I think that could really bode well for making the right decision. Yeah, that's a good point, Tom. As a matter of that's fact, uh, we uh, well, I'll get in touch with the folks that we know that are at Cathay Pacific and talk to them as far as their flying careers and talk to, to some of the folks that have gone through that and see what they say. We uh, we have a, a few folks that are friends of the podcast that are involved at Cathay Pacific, but not not as many on the on that cadet program. Although we have a couple of contacts there, but we'll we'll put our feelers out, and and I think that's a great idea, Tom. We'll we'll definitely look towards that. Um, let's see here. Do we? Uh, and by the way, thanks for that question. That was awesome. And 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 writing in with everybody's situation is is complex, and I understand. You know, having, um, you know, having having a a you know a question that's very specific towards you is important. And by the way, if there, there's another thing, too, I want to mention as far as the coaching services. That's one of the things we go over is very specific things that we can't talk about here on the air uh, if you're interested in, in that. So make take a look at that at aviationcareerspodcast.com and uh, click on coaching there. Um, let's do one more question here. Every, we have time, right? Let's, uh, let's see. The next one came up here is uh, uh, we'll start with the next one. It says, I recently started listening to your podcast while underway on an aircraft carrier. I'm a helo pilot and will soon be headed back to flight instruct in the mighty T-6B back in Pensacola. At the end of the tour, I should, thanks to the military competency testing, be a commercial helicopter, airplane single-engine land, airplane multi-engine land, and an airplane single-engine land CFI double I, and possibly an MEI. I'll have at least 2,000 hours, probably more, of which over 1,000 will be in T-6B turboprop. The airplane multi-engine land commercial and the multi-engine instructor will be something I do on my own time and dime. About 100 will be other fixed wing and the rest helo, at least right now. After that tour, I will most likely not fly for two years before I can even consider leaving the military. And I'm unlikely to make unless forced to do so, uh, as I will be able to retire six years later if I stay. Uh, I plan to teach on the side with my CFI, I and MEI to help continue to build hours and because I just enjoy it. Well, that's great. My question is this. What do I need to do to make sure I am competitive for airline positions? My wife and I will want to return to Pensacola after the military, so commuting would be the order of the day. There is potential for me to take a career path that would allow me to continue flying and potentially fly larger transports like a 73, 707, DC-9, or C-130, but that's no guarantee. Thanks for the help and advice. Uh, you know, to, to make yourself more competitive towards an airline position, you're looking at, and, and what we're talking about in this case is is trying to get on with uh, not just a regional but a major. There is the possibility of making a quick stop at a regional uh, because of the fact that you may need to build some more time to make yourself competitive. Normally with uh, 
fixed wing time in the majors, if, if say, a major is requiring, say, three, four, or 5,000 hours, you kind of cut that in half, uh, depending on, on uh, what your experience is with the military. Uh, they do look at a, you know, you're, by the way, what you're doing really does look good. So what do I need to do to make myself more competitive? Do what you're doing now. Also, the other thing I, I recommend, uh, and there are some classes I think the military does, is um, in LinkedIn, get involved in uh, in LinkedIn and, and putting up a profile, start networking with other people out there. There's a lot of folks within the military that you have as a network already sitting next to you that will help you move into a, into an airline job. But remember this, that there is, you know, hopefully you'll we'll skip over that step of having to go to a regional, but that could happen. Uh, I've he- seen it happen quite a bit. Uh, but you you will be looking more towards that that job and at the major. The other thing too is you mentioned getting your instructor ratings, which is awesome, and being able to instruct on the side, which is really cool. Uh, and also, you're only going to be six years from retirement, and uh, you know, or, that, or later if you stay in. Obviously, the retirement in the military. The one uh, one of the major benefits of retiring from the military is. Uh, at the airlines, one of the things that's been cut back at uh, many different airlines, or just in general, is the health benefits. You know, you have TRICARE for life. Uh, there is that benefit with the military that uh, you won't have at the airline. And, and I know, you know, some of the guys that I work with and gals that I work with, they don't like to talk about it too much because, you know, they're getting this, this great uh, benefit of m- a medical benefit uh, where they don't have medical benefits at the airline because what they have is, is so much uh, less expensive. Uh, but it's something to think about in your overall, uh, you know, as far as your planning financially. Uh, also, if you have an opportunity, like you mentioned, to fly larger transports, that helps quite a bit too, is uh, because of the fact you're flying something heavier. So you can, you know, skip that whole regional aspect. So you have a lot of things going on here. Uh, but to make yourself more competitive, obviously, is multi engine turbine time. I know you're talking about single engine turbine time but also number of hours, building your number of hours and multi-engine time. Uh, if you were to build 7.3 or 7.07 DC-9, you know, KC-130, whatever it is you're, you're looking to build, or C-130, that actually will, will be a great benefit to you uh, any, in any career that you're trying to build in aviation. I think you're on the right track. I think you're moving forward in, in the right direction. So, uh, folks, any, anybody else have any comments, Paul or Tom, on that one? Uh, his key is really the the network, the brotherhood there. You know, the military guys, man, they are tight, and uh, it, it's a club. You're in, you're in, and you can really use that all-access pass to uh, afterburner your career here. So I would I would really lean heavily on that. Cool. Yeah, I, I think it is. And uh, by the way, that's that's actually the last question we're going to take for this evening. Um, we uh, We have a lot more questions, by the way. And we have so many other folks that want to come on and help us out answer these questions. Uh, keep writing in. Uh, like I said, we've been having some challenges trying to get these out. Uh, somebody had mentioned the Stuck Mike Avcast. I do the other podcast about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Uh, that's a cool podcast for you, that, the listener that's into general aviation, uh, also in aviation, in, gen, in any, any aviation, military, etc. Because one of the things that we do is we go over 
technical topic. So that's the learning to fly part of it. And living to fly, you know, the, the actual life of a pilot and, and a recreational pilot and loving to fly. We talk about really interesting things such as going to museums and, and visiting uh, different, you know, air shows, et cetera. We just did a podcast on, on, the, on Sun and Fun. That was a really cool air show. Got to interview some awesome people, uh, a couple fighter pilots, F-22, and then we uh, also got to interview some fighter pilots from World War II, some of the uh, the women Air Force Service pilots, and and also the uh, Tuskegee Airmen. So there's some really cool stuff that's involved there. Uh, so that keeps you up on, on certain things uh, as far as technical side and the fun side of things. Also, uh, you know, we talked about coaching. Uh, remember, we do offer that. Uh, and for the people that want to do more sessions, I know people write in. All you have to do is, if you're already a coaching member, go out to that section of the website and schedule your next appointment, and uh, and we'll move forward from there. I know my schedule's been really tight. I'm trying to open that up. Like I said, I'm moving away from some of these other things I've been doing just so that I can help people. I know it's a it's a really fast time in the industry. Things are really happening quickly. Uh, we have, you know, Paul, you're upgrading the captain right now. He's going to do an episode uh, in the future about uh, upgrading the captain. I know we've done them in the past, but we re- really need to do them over uh, and remind people, you know, what you need to do to upgrade the captain, what's good advice. And it's great to hear from different people that are going through that upgrade and, and training process. So, Paul, we're, we're going to look forward to uh, actually that whole process and listening to that. We're, you're done with, I think it's the simulator portion. Where are you now, by the way? No, that's what I have left. I've oh, done – I did – that's okay. I did ground – I did the ground school, the test, and my, I did my oral actually. So all I have to do is go um, out to Seattle and get in the sim and um, take my check ride and get on OE. Oh, cool. So – and by the way, the oral was, was, was not a, a small task, was it? No, no, that was I, – I was pretty stressed about the oral to be honest <laughs> with you. So I'm actually glad that it's done. It, cool. It's actually – it's nice to be able to go to the sim and just fly. Cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. congratulations on getting through that portion. That's, yeah, that's thank great. You. Yeah, thanks, thanks, guys. It's a yeah. lot like I think the the oral on the CFI the first time for a type. Yeah. It's it's pretty. Crazy. Yeah, it was a it was a big one. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was so, a big one. So terrific, awesome. Um, also, a reminder uh, for the folks out there. We talked about coaching. We also do interview prep and uh, and just general career counseling the scholarships guide i know a lot of people ask about that we've uh, been selling quite a few of those lately remember there's many different formats if you want to go to the amazon store and check that out you can if you just go to aviationcareerspodcast.com click on scholarships it'll give you information about that it'll also give you a link to amazon where you can look at the directory in inside that guide for free uh, so it'll show you all the different scholarships that are in there. Just remember what's out there on the website that you can see for free is only a portion of what we have. We are adding more scholarships every day. We actually just added uh, another – an internal scholarships, by the way. If you work for an airline or any other company that's involved in aerospace, we don't just do just, just flying. We do aerospace engineers, flight attendants, mechanics, et cetera. There's uh, some companies out there that are actually trying to pr- promote their internal employees to move forward in their careers by getting a degree and it's awesome that they're doing this and it's through scholarships and through training and people that want to become pilots internally say they're say they're working as an accountant and they want to become a pilot they can do that internally and i think that's really cool and i I don't it's going to be a tease because i'm not going to announce it now but we're putting one of those scholarships uh up on the website 
and uh, make sure you, you look at that. We also have uh, a new scholarship coming out uh, in safety management systems. So if that's what you're interested in, there's a really cool scholarship out there. We actually had uh, one of Tom's friends on this, on this podcast to talk about safety management systems and safety in general, and he was terrific. We also have another person that's coming forward who's going to talk a little bit about that. So we have all these really neat things that are, that are coming out to help you. But we need your help. We need you to write in and ask questions and ask, you know, what do you, what do you want to see from us? Who else do you want us to interview? Uh, and who do you want to have on the show? And if you're somebody that's interested and has a story, wants to be on the show, or just has a short story, wants to write in, we really would appreciate that. We would appreciate some of that help as far as, as you know, putting, helping people. You're, we're not just helping people. You're helping people. Remember, you know, pay it forward. If you've gone through a really good uh, time in your career and you want to share with, with these other people that are listening here right now, do that for us. Please do that for us. Uh, Paul, uh, Greco, we really appreciate you being here today. Ken, they can, they can find you on Twitter. It's, uh, what is your address on Twitter again? It's uh, Pilot P151. Pilot P151. Of course, Tom Wachowski can be found at the Private Jet Podcast, and uh, and we'll obviously send emails in from here to, to Tom. Tom, we appreciate your being here tonight, too. Yeah, th- thanks for having me. It's always fun to to talk about this and hear the, the questions and, and everybody's opinion. You get, we all kind of have these different angles, so it's fun to hear. Yeah, it is. Um, and, and, of course, you know, one of the things I want to leave you with uh, tonight and in general is no matter what you do, I know we talked about this before, is, is if you have a plan, move forward. But, but do something now, today, to move forward in your career. Take a little baby step or take a large leap. No matter what it is, do something, move forward. And, and when you do that, you'll look back later and look at all those steps you made and realize that, that you've come a long way just by taking one step today. So do that. Do that today. Move forward in your career. We're going to talk to you next episode. Don't forget to write in and ask your questions. Safe flying. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although hosts or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.